Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and I am joined this week by Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Hola. <laughs> welcome back. Thank Yay. you. Welcome back. Good by to be here. Wearing a mask, worship director, Scott Reed. Hello. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, the pride of Akron, Ohio, Bill Godabites and the truth, Calvin. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Scott, would you... Uh, Pray for us while I go and close all the windows in here. <laughs> sure. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time to be together. Lord, it has been a long time since all four of us have been in this room uh, doing the podcast at the same time. Lord, thank you for bringing us all safely back from our various trips and, and such. Uh, and Lord, thank you that we can be here now to discuss your word and uh, hopefully, Lord, to glorify you with uh, our words. God, we just give this time to you. We pray that it would edify those who hear and uh, us as well. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Back together again. Reunited. Together and at it last. <laughs> it feels so good. And it feels so good. Um, Bill, did you miss us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> Scott. Bill and I didn't miss you at all. I know. We, I we had like, a grand old like, time. I think they were thinking I, of replacing <laughs> us with no one. And just exactly. Being like, again. What if we just made this a thing with us? I have to say, <laughs> editing a podcast you've never heard before is super weird. I'm sitting in the back seat of my parents' minivan driving back <laughs> from the Washington coast, like, and I'm listening to it for the first time and editing it, and it's super wild. Yeah. All right, what do you got for us? All right, so here's how this is going to work. So we still don't have the Would You Rather cards. They, Dan. They're gone forever, probably. <laughs> they're in my garage. They're in Dan's <laughs> garage forever, probably. Things don't no. come out of there. And um, so... Uh, looking up Would You Rathers online has given us kind of a weird results in the past, so I decided to look up biblical Would You Rathers. There we go. So here's how this is going to work. Max, I'm going to ask you the question. Okay. 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 You give us the Would You Rather. And then Dan and Bill, you guys are going to compete <laughs> to see who can figure out what the reference is oh. faster, like what Bible story oh. it's from. All right. Whoever gets one of the two, okay. well... No, whoever gets both of them first. So they buzz in, and then I'll answer. Because I mean, if you I, think about it, yeah. while they yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. today is the August fifth. Would you rather Bible Championship? That's right. <laughs> I thought you were going to say that they had to try and convince me which direction to go. No, no, they have to. <laughs> I like, some of them are like some of them are really easy, but sure. some of them are are a little bit more obscure. All right, sweet. All right. Would you rather, Max, be forced to marry a monarch and live in a palace for the rest of your life, or wander in the desert for forty years? <laughs> You need to get both of them, Bill and Dan. Oh, all right. So Esther is the monarch, and the wilderness travels with Moses for 40 years as the other. All right, Dan, you're falling behind. Yeah, you're One already, to nothing. Max, already what's your two points down. Uh, <laughs> between the options of wander in the desert and marry a monarch, I, know. I think I'll go with the monarch. That one was mostly for Dan and Bill, but <laughs> yes. Um, would you rather... Dis- no, we're not going to ask that one. That one's weird. Um, <laughs> can, we, can, we, can we know what it is off the record? Yeah. Would you rather deceive your father into giving you your sibling's blessing or have your father believe you've been killed by a wild animal? <laughs> <laughs> so Jacob, Jacob is the one that deceived his father. Yeah. 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 The, the wild animal. The, the, well, prodigal son is what I was thinking no, of. No, no, no. It's Joseph. It's definitely Joseph. It's Joseph. Oh. Come on, guys. Come on. You You're went the pros to college here. for this. Hmm. All right. Um, also, I would have my I would deceive my father into giving me Russell's <laughs> birthright. I already. Have. So are we tied? 
Uh, no, I got yeah. one right. No, you got to get them both right. That's the rule. Because some of them are way easier than others, like within a pair. Max, would you rather be carried to heaven in a chariot of fire or have God add 15 years to your life? I've got that. Hezekiah. Hezekiah and Elijah is the one in the chariot of fire. Uh, I'm going to give you both a half point for that because Dan said Hezekiah Sweet. first, but you got to get them both, Dan. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My and I think Hezekiah was the harder one of the two. So one and a half to one half. I would go in the chariot of fire. Yeah, that makes sense. That sounds awesome. Would you rather have to hide from your boss who is trying to kill you or have your body covered in raw sores? Uh, Job and David. Nice. Boom. Oh, Tied yeah. up. One the, half to one half. The one about half. the boss. I'm thinking, who One and one half to that? one and one half. Max? Good. I'd hide from my boss. I'd do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry I wasn't at the meeting today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I this had to one... leave the meeting real early on. Oh, nice. Yeah, the You're Northern Illinois Food That's Bank true. showed up. I wasn't back. expecting them. I was like, oh, okay, this is important. All right. Mm. Would you rather, Max, eat only homemade bread for over a year or eat only vegetables and fruit for the foreseeable future? Okay, Daniel, Daniel. for the vegetables and fruit and Elijah for the homemade bread. All right. Wow. That's two and a half to one and a half. I, I said oh, at the same time. Well, I, said, I know, but you didn't get the Daniel, second half. That's true. Politeness keep, doesn't win you, you games You keep getting here, the first Dan. one right and then, <laughs> and then like crossing it. your arms and being like, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Max. Um, bread for a year or fruit for the rest of That's your life? That's a bad year of bread. I should say that you have to make I know vegetables. Vegetables for the foreseeable future? They're probably fine. That sounds great. There are plenty of vegetarians out there and they're okay. All right. Is it vegan food? Because that can kind of like... I, uh, I that's true. Cheese. I would be vegan because there's no like eggs. True. I eat vegan uh, cheese and it tastes pretty much like regular cheese. So there you go. But is that's, made out of that's plants? That's made out of... Uh, tapioca. Yeah. Is tapioca a vegetable? Bill? I don't Survey know. Survey says yes. <laughs> Dan says yes. You are our... I want to keep eating it, so it's yes. <laughs> All right, Max, would you rather eat a scroll, a piece of rough paper with writing on it, or drink vinegar? Jesus for the vinegar... Well, eating the scroll uh, in Ezekiel, Ezekiel? 3 3, it says, Eat this scroll. All right, I'm going to give that to Dan because he tied Dan. on Ezekiel and All he right. got Jesus. I think that's two and a half to two and a half. I think yeah, we should just it is. Let's call it here and be tied. <laughs> All right, Max, what is it? <laughs> I'd eat the scroll. Eat the scroll. All right. Mm, now tasty. for the tiebreaker. Uh oh. This is it. Would you rather see Leviathan or see a dragon? Oh, I'd rather. Okay, Job? see Leviathan's Job. Job and the dragon. Job and Job? <laughs> yeah, Job is also the dragon. Is it? Do you know? I mean, I, I would have said so. it's not Job. I would have said something I would say, else. Oh, okay, you could say Job and Daniel. Because I think Daniel saw a vision of... Because in or Job... Or John, the Job author of Revelation. Leviathan and Behemoth. I'm going to give that to Dan because he provided other answers. I All was right. thinking Revelation. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think... I mean, I guess you could say the Behemoth is like a dragon. I don't know. Dragon <laughs> in the Bible reference, references uh, on Google references Revelation twelve, the woman and the dragon. So that's what yeah. I was thinking of. The, well, you got the actual word dragon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At I, first, I thought it was just like the Leviathan or like a dragon, but there aren't dragons. Leviathan is a serpent in the sea. It's the the thing in the yeah, sea. It, it talks about it fire though. Leviathan. Well, Leviathan's describing Job, and so is Behemoth. And Behemoth, when you read it, you think this is an Apatosaurus. Yeah. That's what it really sounds like. What's an apatosaurus? Dinosaur. Uh, Brontosaurus. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like one of those big ones with four legs and a giant tail and a huge neck. Yeah, 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 yeah. Long neck and in the water. And you think, man, this could be brontosaurus. Oh. Well, then I would want to see the dragon, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing as brontosaurus right. isn't an option. All right. Well, Dan wins with three and a half Congratulations, points. Congratulations, Dan. Congratulations, Dan. That was you- a- Come from behind victory, baby. Yeah, that's the tension that we're going for. <laughs> you get all of the 
ice cream that's left over in the freezer. No. That you can't I eat. I you got to pay for it. <laughs> Which we will hand out at the next church. <laughs> Leave me that one Snickers. I want right, to at least Bill. know the, what it tastes like. <laughs> I'll do that for you. Uh, before we get into the topic of the week, uh, we have a guest sponsor. This is a first. It comes from Lisa O. Uh, she submitted two weeks ago, she submitted a uh, Would You Rather, and she also submitted a guest sponsor, which I really loved. Uh, this week's podcast is brought to you by the brand new parking lot where you get to now park for drive in services. Get a new angle as you park your vehicular unit in a completely oh, yeah. new spot and direction. The parking lot opens Saturdays and Sundays. For more information, visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash parking. <laughs> uh, thank you, Lisa. Is uh, that actually a website? That's no, like a I website? asked Nina oh, to okay. make it, and she was like, what do you think I do here? Like, <laughs> I, I have a real job. <laughs> um, so uh, we had, uh, for our sermon follow-up this week, we had uh, Reverend Brian Kluth, um, who did uh, FPU 2.0, did a I thing with us, and then he was, um, what's his title? He's like the Reverend of Generosity, or the... He's with the National Association of Evangelicals as their Director of Generosity. Director of Generosity. Um, so he came in, and, and this weekend he preached about having the sort of the seven steps or the seven pieces of having a joy-filled life, joy-filled giving. Um, really quick, I want to say what, like, what, of our, what you guys' big takeaways were. Um, but I can say mine off the bat actually came from the, his first point um, when, you know, surrendering ourselves to God. And he said, uh, he made this point that in our lives, Jesus is either absent, present, or president. Mm. Uh, and I had never heard that before. I really like mm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's amazing to me uh, how big the difference feels between present and president. Um, that, yeah, mm. I can, like, <laughs> feel that God is present, but, like, is he mm. driving or is he sitting there in the passenger seat mm. being like, you know, this would be a lot easier if you let me drive? Mm. <laughs> and me being stubborn saying, no, I, I want to do this. Um, listeners, I hope you can't hear all the honking that's going on <laughs> in the parking lot right now. That's what happens when the parking lot's a sponsor. They get some perks. Yeah. <laughs> or honking. Takeaways from you guys. I have two things I really liked. And the first one was just kind of in general with this whole message kind of on a global level of, just examining my own heart, thinking, okay, I tithe, but am I actually a generous person? So it was mm. good to, mm-hmm. it's sometimes we just think, well, I tithe, I give my 10%, that makes me generous, but is that really? Not necessarily. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. that was kind of cool, that, at least in my own life, to examine my heart. Mm. See, where does God want me to grow in this area? And then just the, the legacy organizer that he handed out, you know, being able to talk with loved ones about their future wishes is, mm. you know, I get older, my loved ones get older as yeah. well. No, We don't all stay the same age, unfortunately. But being able to have those hard conversations, have a tool to be able to do that, yeah. it's really cool. I really like the idea of a of a giving account. I never heard of that before. But the idea of having an account yeah. where, because I think, you know, some people and and I fall into this boat more or less right now. Their giving is pretty automated. Mm-hmm. You know, they set it up, gives this amount every month or every two weeks or whatever. And some people, like my my in laws, um, you know, they I don't know if it's every month or every week or what it is, but they pretty carefully kind of think about like, okay, how are we going to bless somebody or how are we going to use our yeah. our offering this period of time? And I think that the idea of having a giving account coupled with that mentality just like really makes a lot of sense where you just like put all the money into this separate place. So it's like, it's just completely distinct from the rest of your money. And then you're ready and able to like, when God shows you those things to be like, all right, 
doesn't matter how much it is as long as it's you know within the how much we have in that account like we're ready to just send it off it could be yeah five dollars it could be two thousand dollars like if it's in there it's going yeah um, and i think that's a really cool idea that i had never really i never thought of that before having a, a whole account mm. yeah that's dedicated to the money that you're prepared to give away and i thought that could really put a lot of joy into the act of giving mm, mm-hmm. i from time to time have struggled with materialism a little bit and this idea of being like oh man like i got two hundred dollars left this month to give like what can I do with it? I think that's just like a really cool thought to mm-hmm. to to have of like, okay, like yeah, checking account, savings account, and like my giving account. Like I gotta, my goal is to get that to zero every month. Like I think that's a really cool, just alternative way to look at uh, finances. It's awesome. Yeah. It was really cool. What you said too of like we put in the giving account. Like say God gives us an unexpected amount of money or a blessing, we take what we would have spent. And like, what did he say? Like, throw it over the wall or something like that. And <laughs> put it in the giving account. Like, that's yeah. cool. That like that excess isn't for my own consumption. Mm-hmm. It's to put back into ministering to someone or yeah. being a blessing. Awesome. Yeah, I, I just like so many things. But <laughs> one that struck me. I'm a structured giver. I, I have what I do with the church, what I do with missions, and it's all plotted out. But he had a section on spontaneous giving. Hmm. where he's hearing from God, which I just love that idea of just being able to hear from God. I wish I could mm-hmm. hear from God more clearly. And I'm starting to think it's because he obeys and gives generously that he is hearing from God. Yeah. So he hears from God and gives away a total of six cars. I'm thinking, wow, this is a whole different league than anything I've ever been exposed to. Mm-hmm. And the other one I just loved was the Lord speaking to him saying, just give this man all the money in your wallet. Mm. And he's thinking it's going to be between 40 and a hundred dollars and it's $568. Mm. He's thinking, where did this money <laughs> come from? I didn't have that much money. Yeah. I just love that. And, and, and then he's even scared by it too, that do you want to give me all this money? No. <laughs> do you want some of it back? No, it's really your money. I just can't get over where it's all coming from. Yeah, yeah. And he's not, in some ways, really a rich man, yet he lives at a rich man's level. Hmm. For instance, he lives in a fabulous location. He's, he's at basically near the top of a mountain in Colorado. He's at 75 or 8,500 feet elevation. And so he's got this unbelievable view out the windows of his home. And it's, it sounds like it's a dream home, and yet the lower part of the home is rented out. He rents it, and that's what pays the mortgage on the home. I, I just think that is so neat. So even though he's been giving it away like crazy, Brian Cluth and his family are living at a very affluent level with not that affluent of an income. Yeah. yeah. I had a Dr. Enoch Hill at, at Wheaton College was one of my favorite professors, and his dad, um, I don't remember what he did. Uh, he could have been an actuary, um, but he lived on 10%. He and his wife lived on 10% of their income and the other 90% they gave away. That was wow. like his his purpose in life, he believed, was like, I'm going to make as much money as humanly possible and I'm going to give almost all of it away. That was his father? That giving was his away? father's um, wow. ministry, which is super cool. That's amazing. It's got to be such a challenge. It would be a challenge for me not to recant on that and not to start to be like, oh, but what if I held on to like two more percent and then I could do this thing I want to do and... 
Um, that's like a constant battle inside, no matter how much money you're dealing with. There's always that temptation to like grip the steering wheel a little tighter, for sure. Um, well, let's get into the topic of the week. I have to leave in about a half hour. Perfect. <clears throat> That'll keep us. <laughs> Plans for dinner. <laughs> Once Dan's gone, then we'll start recording. Um, okay, good. <laughs> uh, topic of the week this week is brought to you once again by Dad's Prayer Time and Hangout oh. Time. Hey, Bloomingdale Dads. I had to. This is the same ad roll that you read last week, but I'm going to try and do it. With Didn't a we already have the sponsor? Different intonation. Yeah, but it's we do the same. So for the silent retreat. Uh-huh. We did the we did the the same sponsor two or three weeks in no, a row. No, I'm saying didn't we already have the guest sponsor? Uh, we had the guest sponsor. Oh, but this is the real sponsor. This is second sponsor. Okay, we're allowed. We're, we're sponsors, man. We need the money. Sky, fund. Why are you opposed to this? Yeah, if the jet ski fund is gonna get, um, <laughs> the and the Daniel, it's now also the Daniel Wright. Uh, what is it? Shoot, whatever. It doesn't matter. <laughs> hey, Bloomingdale dads, Thursday, August sixth. 13th and 20th, we will come together to support each other during these challenging days. There will be a short, practical devotion just for dads, followed by sharing and prayer time, followed by lots of complaining about the Cubs. We alternate between meeting in person and on Zoom each week. Dads, prayer and hangout time, Thursdays from 7 to 8, uh, in the portico on the 13th, and on Zoom the 20th. uh, Dan? I just looked at you. I just looked at you and said, "Bill, uh, Bill, do you have anything you want to add to that?" I don't know, Scott. Do you? <laughs> well, I, I thought it sounded a lot like Festivus when you had that part about let's complain. <laughs> Remember Festivus for the rest of us? Yep, from, from Seinfeld. The Seinfeld show. <laughs> oh, there's there's a time for complaining as part of the Festivus, <laughs> and there's a time for like wrestling, and there's a time for eating. It was just, awesome. it was a hilarious show. We should yes. do a Seinfeld episode. <laughs> uh, topic of the week this week, uh, we got to finish Mini Questions Week, uh, which we started six weeks ago. Whoa. That was um, six weeks ago? I know. Whoa. Was that the last time we were all together? Yeah. Maybe six weeks ago? And we've been in suspense long enough. Oh. Um, as a reminder for those of you who have joined us in those six weeks for the first time, uh, Mini Questions Week, we all brought questions for the panel. Um, that we've been kind of thinking about or, or just wanted everybody to weigh in on. Um, Dan, if you don't mind, I'll go first. I think mine's a little bit lighter, okay. potentially. Could be shorter. Um, is doing drugs a sin? And so just to read some relevant uh, 1 Corinthians um, 6.12, I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. You say, food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. So yeah, is is, uh, hardcore recreational drugs, is doing drugs a a sin? When I start thinking about something like this, Think of like what are the what are the fruits in quotes of like hmm. of doing this like of a behavior yeah. to qualify it as a sin or not. So you think of like what is what is like the end, well not the end goal, but what is like the what the is, end result? End result. Sure. That's it. The end result of like this kind of lifestyle. Right. And it's it's horrible. Hmm. It's families that get fractured because of it. Trust gets lost. Uh, people find a way to cope with what's going on in life in the in a way that's not healthy or good. You know. Bill and I did a funeral back in January for a young man, what was he, 26, 28? 28, who overdosed on drugs, left behind a grieving mom and sister and family. And so you just see the the effects that, that, you know, drug use 
and especially like the hardcore drug use with these substances that are just horrible for your body and in, in big quantities can kill you, just wreaking destruction and havoc. Mm. So yeah, I'd say yes. I would agree with that. Um, I think you know, when we look at uh, the way that the Bible talks about alcohol, um, alcohol is clearly consumed by a lot of people in the Bible, including presumably Jesus, unless he didn't drink the wine that he made out of water, but he made it, so it's, you mm -hmm. know, its existence was okay with him. Um, mm. But the Bible does say, uh, i got a couple of verses here, um, Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. Mm -hmm. And then 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Yeah. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So I think the Bible makes it pretty clear that there's a line between drinking alcohol and becoming intoxicated by alcohol. Mm -hmm. And drinking alcohol is okay, but becoming intoxicated is not. And I don't know a whole lot about drugs um, in like a practical sense, yeah. but I'm pretty sure it's hard to use drugs without getting intoxicated. That's kind of mm -hmm. the only point. right? Um, <clears throat> so while the Bible doesn't explicitly talk about drugs, I don't think, although it might. Bill, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, There's no thou shalt not yeah. like prohibition. It does talk <laughs> about sense. you know your state of mind, which mm -hmm. is, mm -hmm. again, kind of the point of using drugs is to mm -hmm. alter your state of mind, which mm -hmm. seems to me to be frowned upon in the Bible. Sure. It's interesting, too, that the Bible doesn't talk about drugs because drugs are even in the most primitive cultures. I think of in Nagaland, the men's teeth are just horrible. So I asked my friend Anjo... Why is it the girls' teeth are so beautiful and white and straight and the boys' teeth are so messed up? He says, because they chew pawn, and pawn's a type of a drug. Mm -hmm. Closest thing I think we've got to it is maybe chewing tobacco. Mm -hmm. But I bring that up because I bet even in the Bible times, they had things that they were chewing or smoking that would make them high, Yet the Bible doesn't talk about it. I can't think mm. of anything like that in all the Bible. So it's an argument from silence, but I'll argue that because it's not explicitly prohibited, it was just so obvious that mm. if you're not allowed to get drunk, we're not going to list all the different mm. drugs you guys can smoke in Corinth and, and <laughs> tell you not to do that. Right. Um, something that you reminded me of, Scott, uh, is this an argument that I heard a lot growing up in Seattle about, you know, when it comes to, to marijuana and, and a lot of actually different drugs and substances is like, hey, if it's not synthetic, like LSD is, um, like, is, you know, it comes from the earth, like, what's the problem? To which uh, there are plenty of things that come from the earth that can kill us. Um, but that begs the question for me, like, when you're talking about Jesus was okay with the existence of wine because he made it, like, for plants that are like potentially lethal to humans like are there i mean there are things in nature that god created that are harmful to us is that harm part of the fall hmm. and also like what's the theology surrounding not hurricanes and tornadoes and earthquakes but like plants and ticks and things that can you know give us lyme disease give you know give us west nile virus and uh, plants that we can eat that can destroy us from the inside. Like, you know, how do we handle the fact that our world has those things and God created them, right? 
seems like because we're sinful, we can take the best things and turn them into tools to sin with. Hmm. So poppy seeds, you could use them as a baked good. You can make cocaine out of them. So I have a hard time faulting God for that. Hmm. So but, like using, using things in, in unintended ways, and, and that kind of gets back to the an argument that I think actually you're going to bring up of uh, Dan of when you ask your question of why would God allow poppy seeds to be used to make cocaine? But I think your example kind of says like, you know, God's not telling someone, Hey, Hey, take this branch and like beat your neighbor to death mm-hmm. with it. Like here's a Ooh. new way to use this cool thing I made. <laughs> um, any other thoughts on that? Uh, I have two thoughts. Um, my first is a thought that was sparked by something that was just said, which is, you know, what immediately comes to mind is morphine. Mm-hmm. Morphine is still used medicinally. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I mean, for reasons other than why we're talking about it, you know, marijuana is often espoused as having all these medical benefits and stuff. And so it's very conceivable to me, who again, I don't know a lot about, about drugs on a practical level, but that these substances have good uses mm-hmm. in the right context. Um, and just like everything in creation, when touched by sin, can also be harmful. Um, that's true of pretty much everything in our internal lives, and it seems to be pretty true of everything in the external lives too. Um, and what I, the other thing I wanted to say is connected to that, which is in Genesis 3, God says to Adam, cursed is the ground because of you. And he goes on to talk mm-hmm. about how Adam's going to toil and struggle mm-hmm. um, to produce food, but I think there's probably more to it than just that. You know, mm-hmm. there's the whole... I think this is something that Jonah talked about sometimes, but like the all of creation um, is groaning. Is groaning, exactly, under the curse of the fall because of what Adam and Eve did and what we continue to do. And, you know, in Revelation it talks about, I made all things new. There's a new heaven and a new earth. It's not just we as people who are being redeemed, but it's all of creation that's being yeah. redeemed. So I think, you know, sin can touch and corrupt anything. And, and, and at least in the example of morphine and perhaps with the other... And other kinds of drugs too. I just don't know enough. You know, there is clearly a good use for it and a destructive use for it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are going out of their way to try to fabricate these things too. So it's not even like they're natural. Like, like right. you're talking about synthetic drugs, you think of like methane, like crystal meth, not methane. Methane's a cat. <laughs> <laughs> meth. Cows have been producing methane for years. <laughs> yes. We're not cracking down on that. <laughs> this verse came to mind from First Thessalonians 5. We do not belong to the night or the darkness, so then let us not be like others who are asleep, but let us be awake and sober. Mm. The sobriety aspect. Sure. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk, get drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, putting on faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. So that exhortation to be sober, to be alert, to not you know, be clouding our mind with other substances and things, but to be eagerly expecting the Lord's return and to be you know, living for him the best we can. Not getting distracted with that other stuff. I'm thinking also how this forces us to live by faith, particularly if we're in pain. Mm. That rather than self-medicating, which has got a lot to do with drug addiction, it's people who are in pain, and so they take oxycotton. It, it's a big step of faith to say, okay, rather than self-medicating, I'm going to turn this over to God, and. Even if God doesn't heal me, I'm still going to turn this over to him and not become an Oxycontin addict or 
hydrocone addict, uh, whatever it is. And that's really hard to say to somebody when I'm not in pain and they are, because it's hard to be in pain. Mm -hmm. But it's no life either to just be living in a fog. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people, not any fear of getting in trouble, but they're addicted to prescription drugs and they know it and they can't stop. So they live with that guilt and there are people like that that go to church. And I just trust that God has a way out for that person. And I, I want to say one more time um, again that if you or someone you love, like, is heavily involved in drugs, addicted to, to drugs, it can be really easy to see that that is having adverse effects, that this sin is, like, decaying mm -hmm. and corrupting their life. Um, but at the same time, like, Jesus Christ can snap his fingers and will snap his fingers and remove all decay and make things new again. And, and that's, like, a, our hope. Yeah. Um, that's the point of our hope and that I am decaying because of the sins in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and Jesus works in me even when sometimes I work against him and I say, I'm not ready to give up this sin. It's a part of me. Mm -hmm. um, and I think... If you're addicted to drugs, then your body, right, your physiology is saying, I can't give this up. It's a part of mm -hmm. me. It's not just your your psyche or your soul. It's your body is fighting against you as well. And um, I know a lot of the people I grew up with when we were in high school were doing a lot of hardcore drugs and, and even now are still struggling to get free. So, Dan, what was your question? My question I'm is, and sure born, we'll lighten the mood. <laughs> born out of just conversations I've had with people over the last few months, people asking me this question of, why does it seem like people who mock God, the kind of the quintessential what the Bible would refer to as the wicked, prosper, while good people, especially Christians, a lot of times suffer, get sick, hmm. dealing with tragedy and difficulty? Well, it seems like these other people are kind of going scot-free. Well, he's reciting the Psalms. I mean, there's a lot of Psalms where David mm -hmm. or the other psalmists say, why do the wicked prosper? It's, it's almost like the chorus to a lot of the Psalms. It just keeps coming up and coming up. And it's still coming up today. Thousands of years later, we've had yeah. these conversations with people bring this question to me and walking through it with them. Mm. All right, I've been thinking about that question too, and this is a whole different tack. I think of it by way of a long time ago. I listened to a pastor named Gordon McDonald speak, and it touches on this. He said, a, a businessman and I were in the home of a pretty affluent couple, but the man wasn't there. He was away on a business trip. So his wife made us a really nice meal, and the businessman is observing her, and he's thinking, this is a well-run household. This is a nice household. This is very, very nice. And this woman is really efficient. And she's got a lot on the ball. And she's dressed beautifully. She's just got the world by the tail. The pastor is sitting there thinking, this woman is angry with her husband. She's despondent. She's unhappy with how things are going in her home. Hmm. They're the same woman, two Christian men, both looking at her, 
the one sees the external, the other sees what's going on in the inside. And I think that's what's really being left out even by the psalmist, that it may look like the wicked are prospering, but how much joy is in their life? Yeah. What, what is going on? It's like in the book of Proverbs, better to have a plate of vegetables than to be feasting with meat in a house of discord. Yeah. And so when you start tuning into to what's going on with people in the inside, mm-hmm. you realize the wicked are prospering financially and they might have good health, but there's some really ugly things under the surface that money cannot even pay off. It's it's a good point. Not in our culture today, it's real easy for people to put on social media what they want everyone else to see, yeah. the highlights of their life that make things make might make things look better than they actually are because they're just projecting the image they want people to see when the, under the surface things yeah. might not be all they're cracked up to be. Yeah, I think it's... Um, I just watched uh, the Bible Project video on Job, which was really good, um, as they yeah. often are. And they said accurately about this that it's, it's a complicated question. It's it's not like really black and white. And I think there's a lot of kind of misconceptions um, that come into play here. And one of them is just baked right into the question itself. And it's why do the wicked prosper and the righteous suffer? And the Bible says, this is Romans 3, none is righteous. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. No one does good, not even one. Mm. And so in reality, no, the, the yeah. righteous aren't suffering because there are no righteous. And the wicked aren't just prospering. The wicked are doing everything because everyone's wicked. Mm. And it's just like what Bill said a second ago. You know, Ultimately, all flesh is like the grass. It withers and it fades away. We're just here for a moment. And whether our moment here is good or hard both, which is more likely, in the blink of an eye, we're going to be sitting before the judge. And at that point, the wicked will not prosper. And in 10,000 years, when we have 10,000 more years plus infinity to worship God, whatever happened here is going to be inconsequential. Then you'll see that not the righteous, because there is no righteous, but those who have put their trust in the Lord, they have renewed their strength. They are, they are now prospering in the greatest sense of the word and the wicked are not and god says to job at the end of the book when he comes down and sort of puts job in his place he says you know why don't you be judge of the world and you enact judgment on all these people and you'll see that it is not this simple thing it is a complicated thing because the reality is um and this also we see in romans 3 that god is not punishing the wicked and in at, the, at this exact moment, and in so doing is showing incredible forbearance. It says in Romans 3, 25 and 26, this being Jesus Christ's uh, propitiation on the cross was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. If God were to really justly punish wickedness and, and remove all suffering caused by wickedness, there would be no one left. 
and God points that out to Job by saying, you, you take care of this. It reminds me of the scene in Bruce Almighty when he's trying to handle the prayers <laughs> and just like a million <laughs> post-it notes come in or the emails or whatever. He just can't handle it. Like, yeah, you can't take care of this. You mm. think it's so simple? It's not. Mm. And actually, it's my mercy that is allowing you to even ask me this question. Because if I were, if I were mm. just without mercy, you'd be gone right. a long, long time ago. Right. So really, the fact that there's any hope at all for anybody sure. is just evidence that, that God is really, really good. Mm. And I think that's a cool... I never thought about, like, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Like, <laughs> it's not divided into righteous and... Mm unrighteous it is a little complicated because there are people in the bible who are described as upright or righteous like abraham and who lied who lied yeah exactly it's like well (laughs) multiple times but it also shows the truthfulness of god's words i will remember your sins no more Mm. i will separate your sins as far as the east is from the west i will throw your sins behind my back i think it's Fascinating that God makes this fabulous promise to David in First Chronicles 17 that your kingdom will last forever. And he's going to prosper David fabulously. And then like two chapters later, David sins with Bathsheba. And God already knew that was going to happen. Mm. But he, mm. he treated David so outlandishly well, even though David was sinful before Bathsheba, sinful with Bathsheba, sinful after Bathsheba, that it wasn't about David at all. It was, it was about God, his goodness. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that obviously the David's descendant that's on the throne forever, like that's Jesus. But something that I had never really noticed before was after the kingdom splits, even in all the craziness that happens with Judah, it's always a descendant of David. Whereas with Israel, it's like, like six different coups. This and, person assassinated this yeah, person. But like, yeah. even so though like so some of the some really bad people came from the line of David, God was still faithful, and He kept His mm-hmm. He kept His descendants on the throne. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Dan, do you have any follow up questions? I know you've only got three minutes. But <laughs> yeah, no. Do you <laughs> have any follow up questions? Can we resolve the problem of evil? <laughs> have we well, fixed? So. Yeah, have we yeah. solved the human condition? The problem. <laughs> you know, Tozer wouldn't even deal with the problem of evil. I don't blame him. It's got a name called theodicy, and. He just felt like that was a waste of time. He would never write about it, preach mm. about it. Wow. But pretty interesting. <laughs> I've just got some great Tozer quotes ringing in my head right now because I'm reading Tozer, and he says, I've been reading Plato since I was knee-high to a rubber worker in Akron, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> then another one was he was cranked out about guest speakers who had traveled around the world and they just come to the church and tell all their travel stories and right. he mm. felt that was worthless. So he, <laughs> he, and he felt these people were worthless. So he said, you can put a jackass in a box car in St. Louis and he can ride the rails up to Omaha, Nebraska, but when he gets out, he's still a jackass. <laughs> all right. I feel like you and he would have gotten along very well. Yeah, amen. Man, that was blunt. Was, tell, tell us how you really feel, Mr. Tozer. <laughs> Did he abide in the truth? <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, he would. Um, he was from Akron, Ohio. Yeah. That oh, really? so weird. And That's he was, where he got saved. And he was yeah, here yeah. in Chicago for a yeah, while. Right oh, there. a long time. He pastored that Southwest Alliance Church when? for right right around 30 years when did he pass away 64 i think it was okay 
So you were alive when he passed away? Yeah, I was a kid. I mean, I w it wouldn't have meant anything I mean, to me. They, they said you Tozer were, died. Like, okay. You're not like the second coming of A.W. Tozer. No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, listeners, uh, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes and jackasses to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Just like Lexi did uh, for our closing segment, Lexi asks, would you rather not have thumbs or not have index fingers? Huh. Daniel? Index finger. Mm. I feel like you use your thumb for just so many things. Mm. It'd be a lot more difficult without the thumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I first read it, I thought she meant that like, we were going to replace the index finger with another uh, thumb, but it's not. It's definitely just, you know, <laughs> you're going to have four fingers either way. Which one are you mm. going to lose? Bill? Le leave me with my thumbs. You look at that middle finger, it could take over a lot of the index finger duties. Yeah. And in many cultures, it does. When it comes to like pointing and. Yeah, in Mexico, mm. people would always point with their middle finger. Mm. That was very it was kind of hilarious. Very shocking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I had, don't a, have to I had a train my daughter not to do that. Come yeah, to America, I I'm bet. Like, no, no, no. Do not point with the middle finger. Welcome to third grade. Here's my daughter. Right <laughs> <laughs> Scott, index finger or thumb? Index finger. Why? Or I would lose my index finger, keep my thumb. Um, same reasons as already said. Can you play the guitar with just three fingers? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I mean, it's harder. Sure. But um, Phil Keggy has... Really? Right. I think it, I think it might be on his right hand, which is definitely the better hand to not have it on. Oh, wow. But it might be on his left hand. Sure. Either way, he's missing a finger, and That's he's so like cool. one of the best guitarists in the world. Wow. But uh, yeah, it's just it's harder. I don't know if I could do it because I'm not like particularly good. But huh. if you're good enough, can wow. you play the piano without a thumb? Without, without a thumb? thumb? Without your thumbs? I mean, it seems like it'd be really yeah. hard. Uh, to play without the your piano. thumb, I mean, I'm going without my index finger. Without your thumb, it'd be it would be difficult. I mean, yeah, you just you'd lose a lot of reach. Mm -hmm. um, without your index finger, it would, it would still be kind of. I mean, it'd be harder, but it wouldn't be that bad. Mm. Um, as long as you, mm. like, I guess the hardest thing would be like really crunchy chords with a lot of notes right next to each other because it's much easier to do that. Right. I'm I'm putting together my first three fingers, listeners, than to do that. I'm putting together my thumb and my ring and middle finger. <laughs> so there are some things that would be really different, and obviously you couldn't do like things with all your fingers. Yeah. So. Um. There you go. Well, there we go. So thank you, Lexi. <laughs> Lexi I love that question. Awesome. That is all the time that we have this week. Thank you, Lexi. Thank you, Lisa, for your uh, submission oh, as right. well. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. We're thank back. You. Thank you, Max. <laughs> <laughs> We're all back, baby. Dan, take us home. Oh, what an honor. You've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church podcast from Bloomingdale, Illinois. Let's say it all together. <gasps> the, the heart of the nation. nation. <laughs>
They displayed me this place, musicinfo.club, where I really get real friends, as well as the best place is that I get to ordering as much as I would like to. <laughs> you are able to see for yourself what is there, or you can just ask me, and I'll alert you more. Remember to keep it up. I do believe you're doing big. A great deal of love from Darcy V in marketing. <laughs> Right. Thank you, Darcy. V. Thank you, Darcy. That incomprehensible uh, email. <laughs> As a quick correction, poppy plants are actually used in the production of opiates, not of cocaine. Just wanted to clear that up. <laughs>